please turn with me over to the book of Jude this morning. Feel led of the Lord to teach you the book of Jude. Amen. 20, 25 verses. So the whole book is only 25 verses long. You have some chapters in the Bible, obviously most chapters in the Bible that are longer than that. But the whole book is 25 verses long. But it is loaded. It is loaded. Praise the Lord. So the next few weeks, don't know exactly how long, but the next few weeks we'll be teaching you from the book of Jude. Amen. Now, if you would look at specifically in verse 17, Jude makes a statement here that is relevant for us in the end times. Uh, Jude says this, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers when? In the last time. There will be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. With that one statement, he takes you into the end time church. And he tells you what to expect in that end time church or the last time church. So we're going to title the message this morning, The Last Time Church. What is it going to be like in the last days in the church? So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be an awesome scripture. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word and give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Pray for inspiration, God. Your word is already anointed in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. So very specific instruction about a church in the last days, the last time, what that church is going to be like. Now, what Jude is going to do is he is going to talk to us in a very passionate way uh, with, a, with a lot of concern about what to look for in the last days. And this has to do specifically with intruders that will infiltrate into the church in the last days and what these intruders are about. They are very, very dangerous. Now, he is addressing the church, of course, in his day, but with the statement that he gave us in verse 17 and 18, he takes it specifically to the last time church. So it is something that we need to listen to and look at. Now, he's going to talk about these intruders that are going to creep into the church and not so much about their teaching like we've looked at other things uh, like 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We looked at the teaching of false teachers and so on and so forth. Uh, but really it's more about the moral rebellion of these people against God. Okay? So... In, instead of so much their, I would say their teaching, although that's in this book, it's more about their moral failure. It's about how they would bring moral rebellion into the church of the living God. And so it is about their teaching, but it's also about their lifestyle. Okay, And uh, it's a very serious thing. In fact, it's so serious that when Jude sat down to write, he did not plan on even writing this book. 
he did not even plan on writing about this subject. When he first sat down, when Jude or Judas, the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary, when he sat down, he was going to write about the common salvation. And that means the salvation that we have all experienced. And he was going to instruct the church about that common salvation. Now, when you look at Jude and he, he's going to talk about the common salvation, it lets you know that from the time that Jude wrote this letter all the way to the last day church, and I want you to hear this, please, that salvation or the way to be saved will not change in your Bible. Okay? There's not many ways to be saved. There's not many roads to heaven. There's one, one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. Say with me, the faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And until Jesus Christ comes back from the founding of the church in around A.D. 33, until the second coming of Jesus to take that church out, that plan of salvation will not change. Now, people will come along and they will read into the Scriptures or whatever and uh, come up with an ulterior way. But according to the Word of God, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. And there is a truth that we must follow according to the New Testament. That will not change, so you need to know that, okay? So as he sits down, and I'll read the verse to you in a minute, he sat down and he began to write, and he was going to write about that common salvation. The same salvation that brought everybody into the church. The same salvation that everybody was experiencing. He was going to talk about that. But as soon as he sat down to write about that common salvation, he completely changed. And there was a necessity that came on him. There was a need that came on him to change from writing about the common salvation about a totally different subject. And so we'll see what that is. All right, so look at it, verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God. Say, set apart. That's what sanctification is. To them that are sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved or kept, say kept, in Jesus Christ and called. Okay? Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. So this is, um, he's speaking this to the believers. He's speaking this to the, those that are saved, that are in the church. And he says, this is what you and I experience as true believers. We experience mercy, verse 2, peace and love. And he's asking that that be multiplied, not just added, but a multiplication of mercy, peace, and love would be in the believer's life. Verse 3, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So as I said, he, he was going to write about the common salvation, but as he began to do that, he changed because there was necessity. There was a need that came to him, and that is that he would write a letter and teach the church about contending for the faith. Now, the word contend has in it the idea of fighting. To contend means that you're a soldier, that you're a warrior. 
The word literally means to agonize. And you are to agonize, and I am to agonize. I am to fight for what? The faith. Notice it says, the faith. Now, what's he talking about when he says, contend for the faith? He's talking about that body of truth that has been given to us as a church. The body of truth, the doctrines that they have given us, amen, in the Word of God. So you're going to have to fight for the truth. There's going to be a lot of uh, people that are going to try to come and take that truth from you. The enemy is going to try to come and take that truth from you. The world's going to come and try to take that truth from you. So you're going to have to agonize and you're going to have to fight and you're going to have to be a contender. Amen. For the faith, that body of truth that has been given to us. Amen. So sometimes it is an agonizing ordeal to contend uh, for the faith because you have so many enemies that try to come and subvert that in your life. Okay? And that was what was going on in that day. You have these enemies, they're creeping in, that means they're sneaking in, and they are trying to subvert the truth of the Bible. And we'll explain to you what they were doing in just a minute. But he goes on and he says that we are to contend for the faith, which is once, amen, say once. The literal translation, once and for all. Once and for all. It will not change. We are to contend for the faith, which was once, literally, and for all. King James doesn't word it that way, but look at it. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once and literally for all delivered unto the saints. You're going to have to fight. And I'm going to have to fight. And it's, it seems kind of strange, doesn't it, that a Christian would fight. But there's some things that you're going to have to fight for. You're going to have to fight for the truth that you have. There's going to be many, many battles that come. Amen. So, keep going. The Bible tells us the problem. He said, for there are certain men, say certain men, crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so here's the problem. He said these intruders, so you might call them libertarians. Okay? They, they, they're coming into the church and what they're doing is basically turning the grace of God into license. Okay? Because we're under the grace of God, then grace covers sin. Does that make sense? Okay. It does, but it doesn't mean, though, that it gives you a license to sin. So what they were doing, they were creeping into the church, man. And when it says creeping in, listen. When you're talking about creeping, the book of Genesis is talking about how God cre created creeping things. You're talking about serpents. 
and they're creeping into the body. They're creeping into the church. Now, sneaking in, does that mean then that when the church was gathered and these people came into the church that the people didn't know they were there? Are you seeing what I'm saying? If they snuck in, the Bible says they snuck in, creeping, they crept in unawares. Say unawares. Does that mean that the church didn't know they were there? No. The church knew that these intruders had come in. They knew them. The problem is they didn't know that those intruders had a problem. That's what it means when it says they crept in unawares. That means that they were deceitful. So when they came in, they acted like and joined the body there, the church, and, and went through the motions and everything to um, you know, play the part of a Christian. And so the people that were gathered there in the fellowship, they, didn't, they looked at these people and they looked at them as they were a part of them. They didn't see a trouble for a while. They didn't see any problem with that person for a while. But so that deception, see, they came in deceptively. They came in undercover, incognito. All right? And their intentions are not good. Their intentions are to destroy, not to build the church of the living God. And so when the when they came in, everybody, you know, pretty much, they saw them and didn't realize there was a problem. With time, though, it started being seen. There's something, there's a problem here. Amen. Are y'all with me today? There's a problem here. There's something's not right here. And so what they were doing is they were coming into the church and they were basically saying, well, we're covered by the grace of God. And so it doesn't matter. We can sin. We can do whatever we want to do. You know, we can live however we want to live. We don't, we don't have to live holy before God. Just, you know, just, just do what you want to do. It's basically, and I don't want to, you know, really go there too much with you, but it's the law of existentialism. And, and I don't know if you're very familiar with existentialism, but existentialism is a law that's an antichrist law. And that teaching of existentialism, do what thou wilt. Do whatever you want to do, live however you want to live, and the grace of God will cover it. Okay? And in doing so, they had um, forsaken, they would refuse to be under the law of God. They refused to be under the law of God. And, and John says they became a law unto themselves. They became a law unto themselves. So these people wouldn't, they're not going to listen to anybody. They're going to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, and they're, going, they're not going to obey the word of the living God. Do what thou wilt is their philosophy. And that's the philosophy, basically, of Satanism. Do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Is the motto of Satanism. And so they were creeping in, and they were, uh, by their lifestyle of immorality, living ungodly lives, full of sexual sin, 
sexual immorality and just filth. Amen. And coming to church and saying, it's okay for us to do that. It's okay to live ungodly and, you know, they wouldn't use that term, but uh, you'll see the context in a minute. It's okay for us to have all this sexual sin in our lives. You know, God doesn't care. He's okay with us having sex, you know, with different people and, and all that lust and everything. God's okay with that because His grace covers it. You know, and so that's what they were bringing in. Licentiousness. They were bringing in licentiousness, which was a sexual sin into the church and saying, it's no big deal. It's not a problem. You know, so giving them a license to sin. So they're creeping in and, and uh, again at the beginning they don't realize there's a problem. But uh, Jude says this, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. And when he says they, going back to the old days, they were condemned. What is he saying? What does he mean by that? He's saying that the Old Testament prophets in the Old Testament, the men of God, stood up and condemned these kind of false teachers. These false teachers, these people who are going to come in and seek to lead people astray from the faith. God says they, from way back in the old days, they are under this condemnation. And he'll talk, what is this condemnation? Well, it's the verses that follow in Jude. He'll talk about this condemnation. And uh, so it's, it's very serious. So he goes on and he says this. He says, number one, he says, okay, not really number one, but first of all, he says, they crept in unawares. They're ordained to condemnation. And what do they do? They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. You with me? Okay, so we'll stop there first. So what they're doing is they're coming in the church and they're, well, we're under grace, you know. And they're using grace as an excuse for their immorality. Oh, the grace of God will cover this, you know. So it's an excuse for their immorality. And then the second thing is they deny, they, they, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So the second thing is they deny the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, when you deny the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, you're denying his appointed offices. When you have the father, John said this, when you have the father, you have the son. John said, now I want you to please listen. They are denying the full deity of Jesus Christ. Okay? John said, when you have the Father, you have the Son. And he said, when you have the Son, you have the Father. Now what John was saying in his epistles was, is that Jesus Christ was the Father, Amen, God, come in flesh, sonship. 
So Jesus, the son, when you say Jesus, the Son of God, you're talking about God come in the flesh. When you have the Son, you have the Father because He is the Father. And when you have the Father, you have the Son because He is the Son, Jesus Christ. So what they are doing is they are denying the, the deity of Jesus Christ and the full humanity of Jesus Christ here. And so it's a very serious thing. How many of y'all understand that Jesus is God come in the flesh? Amen. So they are denying His deity. So they're, they're giving um, grace as an excuse for immorality or unholiness and ungodliness, not obeying the commands, and they're denying the deity of Jesus Christ. Now literally, but also by their lifestyle. Ooh. So you might, you might today, you might declare that Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. You might believe that. But if you or I live an ungodly, immoral lifestyle, then you're denying Him. And that's what they were doing. They were denying Him not just in their doctrine, but they were denying Him by the way that they were living. So those are the two major problems with, with these people, and he's going to talk a lot more about them. Now, look at verse 4 again. So Jude's concern, in, and he's, uh, man, he's really, he's writing earnestly, okay? He talks about these men that creep in who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. Say ungodly men. So they're ungodly. They're ungodly. They have no reverence for God. They have no fear of God. Now, I'm, I'm going to try to go slow so we get this. Okay? To be ungodly means you have no reverence for God. You have no fear of God. Okay, y'all with me here? And so, Jude later is going to talk about three individuals that are a type, a type of these intruders. And the first one he talks about is Cain. So when you, when you read here and he says they're ungodly men, well, they have the same spirit as Cain did. Because Cain did not reverence God. And he did not fear God. And we'll talk about him more in just a minute. So a person who doesn't have a fear, a reverence for God and the things of God is what he's talking about here. Ungodly men. And then the next one he says, turning the grace of God, of our God, into lasciviousness. Now who in the Bible would be a perfect example of turning the grace of God into license. The second one that is recorded in the book of Jude as a picture, his name was Balaam. And Balaam in the Old Testament taught Israel to sin against God. Amen? Now what was that? Well, the Israelite men got into sexual relationships with the women of Moab. And, and in that, those sexual 
immoral sexual relationships with the ungodly women of Moab. There was idols in that in that land, uh, uh, Peor, that they would get caught up in idolatry. So the sexual sin with the daughters of Moab caused them to get involved in idolatry. So when it says they turned the grace of God into license, Balaam is the second one that's recorded in the book of Jude, and he is an example of just exactly that kind of person. Somebody that leads the church astray, giving them advice in the area of sexuality. That sexual immorality is all right. And that's what Balaam did. He taught, he gave advice that led the people of God astray away from God using license or sexual immorality. Third point, he says, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The third person that Jude mentions in his writing as an example of this is Korah. Now Korah and his bunch rejected God's order and authority. And you'll remember he rebelled against Moses and Aaron. I mean, I remember that. When Korah rebelled against Moses and Aaron, they were rebelling against the appointed offices of those men. And so the Bible says that these men uh, deny the only Lord God, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfect example. Korah did that. When Korah denied the appointed offices of Moses and Aaron and rebelled against that office, the Bible said the earth opened up and swallowed them. So the third point is that these, these ungodly men that turned the grace of God in lasciviousness, they denied the only Lord God, the Creator, and our Lord Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh to bring salvation. They deny His appointed offices just like Korah did. Okay? Now, the Bible continues. Verse 5. Am I going slow enough for you to get this? Okay. Jew says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Okay? So he's going to talk about three incidences in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Three incidences in the Bible that illustrate these intruders that come into the church. And the first illustration that he gives us, historical event, is whenever Israel came out of Egypt, Egyptian bondage, look, God saved them. God saved them by the blood of the Lamb, brought them out of Egyptian bondage by the blood of the Lamb. How many understand what I'm saying? He saved them. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb. They were redeemed out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt. But the Bible says 
You with me? That they fell. So these intruders that come in, you know, they're not just false teachers. Evidently, at one time, they walked with God in truth, but they departed from that truth. Amen? So the first illustration of a, a say with me, a type. Jude goes into Old Testament teaching, history, and he says, what happened then is a type of these intruders that are coming into the church. And he says that first one is they came out of Egypt. He saved them. They saved the people out of the land of Egypt. Afterward destroyed them that believed not. What God is saying is that it is, that it is possible for a person who was saved to fall away. So we would use the term so you can understand a term that we use often to backslide away from God. Now, a backslider can come back to God. A, a backslider, if you backslide, now listen, listen carefully. A backslider is somebody that's slipping away. They're falling away from God. Amen. A backslider, though, although they are on dangerous ground, can make it back to God. So he's talking about here some people that uh, had fallen away from the truth having once been saved, but it's not in a finality way because the backslider can make their way back to God. But listen. He's going to begin to talk about a, a group of people that are not just backsliders. They have moved into apostasy. A person that, that goes from backsliding, that means to slip away, to fall away, into apostasy. If you go into apostasy, brothers and sisters, you will not be saved. Apostates do not return to God. They do not return to the truth. They deny it. They reject it. They become enemies of it. They fight the truth. So it's dangerous having once been saved, you know, to fall away or to backslide or to slip away, but you can still make it. But if you apostatize from the truth, you turn away from it and reject it and and begin to fight that truth that saved you, you will not be saved in that condition. Because that falling away is a final, it's a finality to it. Is everybody with me here? So the first example he gives us is about that Egyptian deliverance, and then afterward they were destroyed because they didn't believe. What a disaster. So he's warning Who's he warning? Well, if these men that have crept in underwears are apostates, who's he warning? He is warning the church about these intruders that are so dangerous that they give license for their ungodly lifestyle of sin 
Amen. They, de they deny the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny God, the Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ by their lifestyles, the way they live. You with me? Do you understand? So, hey, church, those of you who are saved, remember that you can lose your salvation. That having been delivered out of bondage, having been delivered from sin, come out of Egypt, you could fall away. And so what is Jude doing? He's saying, don't give ear to these people because they will mess you up. Don't listen to them. Don't give place to them because you who were saved can experience a disaster in your life of having been saved, lose your salvation, and be destroyed. So he's warning the church that is saved about listening to these intruders that have come into the church. So when you contend for the faith, you have to be careful about who you're listening to. Amen. Is everybody awake? Now there's two kinds of letters that were written in that ancient culture. One was an advisory letter. And that letter meant that, that a man would write a letter, and Jude is a letter, and he would be giving advice to the listeners. And he would say, now, beware of this person. I'm giving you advice. Beware of that person. Beware of this situation. And so the person would write this letter. So this letter is an ad advisory letter. It's laid down just like an ancient advisory letter would be written. And he's saying, now watch out for these people because they can destroy your walk with God. Advisory letter. A second type of letter is a letter of censor. A letter of censor. This book of Jude also falls into that category of censorship. He is saying to them, I am censoring these people for you because they need to be censored. Don't give ear to them because they will destroy your walk with God. So in an advisory way and in a censorship way. Jesus, help me today to preach. We have to hear what God is saying. Because there will be people that will come and you need to stay away from them. And they're going to be saying words that can destroy your walk with God if you, if you give ear to them. Hallelujah. Now, so what do you do when this stuff comes to you? You don't give place to it. Hallelujah. Now, take it for what, it will, you know, what it's worth. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't have any of that stuff. So I don't know about half the stuff that goes on, all the gossip and the, you know, I don't know a lot about the gossip. I don't know a lot about the uh, uh, propaganda that's, that's used. I don't, because I don't have any of that. Praise the Lord. I keep myself away from that. You know, and I'm just advising you, you know, take the advice and censor certain information or whatever that comes to you because it's just it's propaganda and whatever, you know, and it can mess you up. Say praise the Lord. And, and I know, well, y'all love social media. And I, I, you know, I know that. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we might enjoy that can destroy us. So you just have to be careful with it. Amen.
and you have to be, you have to, uh, you have to um, protect yourself and protect your family. Now, if you want to just open up your eyes and ears to everything that comes down the pipe, that's your business. It's not my business. It's not hurting me. And it's not hurting the church of Jesus Christ. Because I don't live in the social media world. I live in God's world. See, I'm not going to stoop down and get into all of that mess because I don't live in that world. I live above that world in, in, the, in the world of God. If somebody comes, they you know, say, well, and it's okay if you come to me and say, Pastor, would you like to know this or that? But most of the time, I'll tell you, no, I don't want to know it. Why? Because all that's doing is pulling me down into that world. I don't live in that world. I don't give myself to that world. Man, can you imagine if I got up every day and read the daily newspaper about Bible Center Fellowship, about me, about you? Man, if I read it enough, I'd probably start believing it. Wow, man, I, really, I didn't know that. Really, that's us. Oh, wow, you know. Yeah. So you read it really long enough. You listen to it long enough. You listen to the chattering, the voices, and the words, and the, all of that stuff long enough. It will mess you up. That's what you want to do. Do it. But I stay away from that stuff. Okay? Amen. I got enough on my plate without knowing all that. Let us try to stay in the realm of God. So this letter then is a letter, an advisory letter. And it's a sensory letter, a sensory letter to the church to beware of these people. They are dangerous to your walk with God. So don't be like those who were saved and came out of the land of Egypt and afterward destroyed. Uh, because they believed not. See, you know, if you study that history, you'll find out really what caused them to fall was the murmuring and the complaining in the camp of Israel. Are you with me? And, you know, and so all of this, all these, all this talking in the camp caused people's hearts to become discouraged. All that talking in the camp, they got discouraged and they did not obey God to go up at once and possess the land. You listen to the words of the, of the murmuring, complaining crowd, it will discourage you. You will go up and possess the land that God wants you to. Hallelujah. Because it will discourage you. Say praise the Lord. So he's trying to help us today. Understand, you can be lost having been saved. This is very serious. I'll tell you last, yesterday when I was in my office and I was preparing this, I had the fear of God all over me. <coughs> Not for you. For me. For me. How's my walk with God? To know that having been delivered and saved, that I could be lost by going back into ungodliness, going back into sin, immorality, serious stuff.
the second the type, the second type of these people. Actually, both both of those, the next two, there's three of them. Both of those happened before the first one that's mentioned. The next type the Bible talks about are the angels. Say the angels. Who are the angels? He's going to use some angels as an example. Hebrew word angel malach means messenger. The word angel is you. We use the word angel, but the listen so you'll understand. The word angel was put into the Bible. The original word uh, for that we talk about an angel, the, the, the malach, which is which is means messenger. But when God talks about what you and I call the angels, which is what the Bible calls them in the in the King James, the malach, the messengers. Angel means messenger. Malach, Hebrew, messenger. That's what they do. That's their function. Is to be a, if you will, angel or malak. Is to be a messenger. But who are they? The Bible calls them spirit beings. That means that they do not have a, a corporal body like you and I have. Listen carefully. They are spirit beings without a corporal body like you and I have. That doesn't mean that they can't take on a physical appearance or have a physical appearance, uh, take on the, uh, uh, the appearance of a man or whatever. But they are, so you'll understand, they are spirit beings. In nature, spirit beings who are messengers, malak. And these spirit beings are called Elohim. With a little e. Elohim. There's only one Elohim God. But there are many Elohim, small e. Little gods. So you'll understand divine beings. The angels are messengers. Malak are messengers are called Elohim. That means divine beings. What that means is they live above the horizon in the spirit world. Below, below that heavenly line, you with me, below that is the world of human beings. So we live in the realm of humanity, the world of human beings, they live above that line in the heavens, if you will, and they are spirit beings. They are not human beings. We live below that line. They live above that line. And they stand as the Elohim, spirit beings, divine beings in the presence of the one God of the Bible. And so these angels, the messengers, are these spirit beings the Bible tells us something about them. They kept not their first estate. What does that mean? They left their position. 
You with me? Who are these angels? Messengers, Malak messengers. Who are these spirit beings, these Elohim, these divine beings? Not only one God, but they're divine beings because they're spirit beings. Who are these angels that left their first estate? Left their position? Well, the book of Genesis chapter 6 tells you about these angels. The Bible says these spirit beings saw the daughters of men. They are called the Beneha Elohim. Genesis 6, sons of God. Bnei Elohim, Bnei Elohim, sons of God, angels. Looked upon the daughters of man in the human world and these spirit beings came down and cohabitated with the daughters of men. Had sexual relationships with them just for the sake of understanding, you have a hybrid situation where the flesh of angels cohabitated with the flesh of men. They have the ability to take on the form of a man, transform themselves into the form of a man. They came down, they fell from that lofty estate in the heavens. They came down lost their position, left their first estate, and came down, transformed themselves with the bodies of men and had sexual relationships with the daughters of men. And the offspring that were produced by them were called the Nephilim, or Genesis calls them the giants. Sons of God, in Genesis chapter 6, Beneha Elohim, Sons of God, those are angels. When the term B'nai Elohim is used, it's referring to angels. And so Jude talks about with the second type of these intruders. He said these angels were intruders and they came down and they cohabitated with the daughters of men. Let's keep reading. They kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Amen. Now, when we get into the book of Jude, you will see that Jude is going to be quoting Enoch. Enoch was a prophet of God. Enoch was a true servant of God. Enoch walked with God. The Bible says, I believe it's Judas chapter 5, before the flood he was caught up translated from the earth into the heavenly realm. This man Enoch, a true prophet of God, inspired by God. He was, the Bible says, the Bible clearly tells us that he prophesied. That means that he is a prophet of God. He's inspired by God. Enoch wrote a book called the book of Enoch. Or if it was orally given from him, then somebody else wrote it down. Don't know exactly how it came about. But there is a book today that is quoted by Jude that is not in your Bible. 
It's called the book of Enoch. So you'll see what I'm making reference to. Verse 14, Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, Behold, the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. In your Bible, you don't have that statement. But in the book of Enoch, you have that statement. Amen. And Enoch also the seven from Adam prophesied of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. You with me here? That is a quote, a literal quote from Enoch chapter 1 verse 9. Enoch is the one who gives us more information about these fallen ones that came down and cohabitated with the daughters of men and offspring being produced by them. Jude references from his bookshelf, shelf, not just Old Testament Scripture, he goes to his bookshelf and pulls down from his bookshelf the book of Enoch. And he says, Enoch spoke about this. And when you study the book of Enoch, you will see, and God willing, maybe next week, depending on how the leading of the Lord is, I will get into what the book of Enoch is, how it's laid out, the different divisions, and so on, and explain to you when these fallen ones came down and cohabitated with the daughters of men, producing offspring called giants. I will show you what those fallen ones that came down, what they taught men. You need to be here. It will shock you when I tell you what Enoch said they taught the, the people on this planet. And it all has to do with departing from God. It is a rebellion against God. And so they came down. Are y'all with me here today? And so he goes on and he says, the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. They lost their position. Left their position. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. In Genesis 6, we don't read that statement. It is Jude that comes along and tells us more about these angels that left their... You with me? It says angels left their position. And then Jude talks about their judgment. Where did, where did you get that information? He got it from the book of Enoch. Because Enoch is the one that said that, made that statement right there, that they would be reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now he's going to give us more information about them. But he said these angels that have come down, they left their position... He said they are reserved the, the darkest, darkest regions of the damned. The darkest of the darkest. He said that's where they're going to be. See, what are they doing? Well, Israel forsook the order of God when they came out of Egypt and then rebelled against Him in the wilderness. Now we see angels rebelling against the order of God. 
Verse 7. Third type of these intruders. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, in like manner as to what? The angels. Giving themselves over to what? Fornication. And going after what? Strange flesh. He said Sodom and Gomorrah did the same thing that the angels did. They committed fornication and they went after strange flesh. Fallen angels. Relationships with a different species. Human beings. No doubt angels as well. I mean, animals as well. And he said Sodom and Gomorrah did the same thing that those angels did. Committing fornication. And, and the Bible says going after strange flesh. Sodom and Gomorrah, just like those angels went after strange flesh. And you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We get the term sodomy from that. Men with men. Women with women. Men with animals. Women with animals. And mixing of different species, different kinds of flesh in sexual intercourse. Ungodly, immoral, sexual sin. And so he goes on and he says, are y'all with me here? What's going to happen to them? They are set forth an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. The way Jude writes it, he said, it's a certain thing that they will be judged with eternal fire. Judgment that's coming. He continues to describe them. He says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers Defile the flesh, despise dominion, speak evil of dignities. He said they are filthy dreamers and their filthy dreams goes with their filthy life. See, what they were doing, they were coming in the church and they were trying to validate their influence, their ministry in that church by charismatic means. 
What do I mean by that? We had a dream. This, we have revelation that comes to us by dreams. You know how people are today. You tell them you had a dream, a spiritual dream. They go, really? Their eyes get about that big around, you know. You preach the Word of God to them, they just they want to sleep. But you tell them you had a dream. Really what? And so these charismatic, if you will, leaders, ungodly leaders, leading the people of God astray, that we have dreams. God says they are filthy dreamers. Now, we do believe by the Word of God that there are dreams that come from God. We do believe in dreams and visions. We still believe it. It's still for you today. Amen. But there are things that come to you by way of dreams that are not God. They come to you by demonic spirits as well. They can come to you out of the carnality or out of your flesh. So every dream that you have doesn't mean it's from God. Now obviously God, if it's from God, God's going to give you holy dreams. If it's from God, God's going to give you pure dreams. If it's from Satan or out of your own fallen carnal nature, they're going to be filthy, polluted dreams. Full of ungodliness and immorality. And our world is surrounded by the meal that makes you have the food dream. So these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. He said, defile the flesh. He's talking about their sexual immorality. It starts in their filthy mind. And goes from their filthy mind to their filthy action. He says, these, they despise dominion. That means authority. And speak evil of dignities. Brother John, can you get 1 John 3, 4, please, sir? So when they come into the midst of the assembly, he says that they, in their rebellion, seek to overthrow divine order. Brother, read it. Yes, Amen. Okay. So I'm, the, the scripture text that I'm thinking about is different. But the Bible says because they have rejected the law of God, they become a law unto themselves. Okay, so forgive me for that. So what happens is then, is that when they come in, 
They are lawless individuals. They despise authority. They cannot handle authority. They will go after that authority. Amen. It's, it's just rebellion in the heart of man. Maybe it's 314. Would you look at 314 for me? Verse 9 of Jude. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a raiding accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Wow. So Michael, the Bible talks about, and there's another extra biblical writing here that's referred to here. It's called the Assumption of Moses. It's not in your Bible. Michael contending for the body of Moses. Satan there contending for the body of Moses. The scripture says that when Michael was contending with the body of Moses, with the devil, the devil contending with him, then we see that Michael did not bring a railing accusation against the devil. Why did he listen? Michael, as powerful as he is, as great in authority as he is, why did he not bring a railing accusation against the devil? Because Michael recognized that before Lucifer fell, he was a high ranking official in the kingdom of God. Even in his fallen state, even when he fell into sin, led a rebellion against God, Michael said, I'm going to leave that to God. I'm going to say the Lord rebuke you. I, he said, I'm not going to bring a raging accusation against authority. You with me here today? It's about your spirit. So the man, the man that has authority in God, if that man falls, you don't touch it. You leave it in the hands of God. What is Michael saying? <laughs> Michael refused to fall into the devil trap. <laughs> he, he refused to let that spirit, Michael, refused to let the spirit that operated in Satan get in him. Satan rebelled against his authority. Satan rebelled against God. Michael is not going to go down that road. So he said, the Lord rebuke you. But you see, 
these intruders have no problem in despising dominions. Brothers and sisters, I pray you hear the word of God today. What? What is it? What is it? These intruders don't want in to be accountable to anybody. Brothers and sisters, they don't want anybody in charge. They are a law unto themselves. They will rail and spew and spit out all kinds of attacks. It shows you the condition of their fallenness. So that's what they're about. They despise dominions. They speak evil of dignitaries. Dignitaries. Glorious ones. I mean, they have no problem against speaking against the angels of God. The Malak. The messengers of God. They have no problem spewing their venom out against the messengers of God. They're intruders. They speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. God is saying they're just, they're, they're fleshly, they're carnal. They've lost the sense of spirituality. Amen. Anybody, anybody that starts criticizing spiritual things. Anybody that starts criticizing spirituality. If they're not an apostate, they're in the process of becoming one. So he goes, he gives us these these three types of people. He gave us three examples, historical types. Egypt, the eight fallen angels, and thirdly, Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, this is what they're like. And then he says, now I'm going to give you three individuals in history that led, listen, that led major rebellions against the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, the fall in the Garden of Eden was not the only thing that has influenced this world in rebellion against the kingdom of God. What he records here are Three individuals that were used by the enemy 
to lift up a rebellion against the kingdom of God that would affect the world throughout its history. The Bible tells us here these three individuals of whom they are type of these intruders. He said, Cain. He said, woe unto them. That means judgment, right? For they have gone in the way of who? In the way of Cain. Y'all know the story of Cain, right? Heard that, we've heard that saying oftentimes, raising Cain. That's where it comes from, man. The way of Cain. What was the way of Cain? Glad you know your Bible, brother. Seriously. He was really, he was known as the first murderer in the Bible. First murderer in the Bible. Jewish tradition to this day, Jewish writings to this day, even collaborate what the Bible says, you know. Well, we don't need that, but anyway, it's important. They say he was the first murderer. So if you can understand it, he let jealousy get in his heart. He killed number one to be number one. An intruder that comes in the church, he'll kill number one to be number one. In the way of Cain, brother killer, full of jealousy and envy. See that? that jealousy and that envy, he started operating in a, in a murderous spirit. He killed his brother. The Bible tells us, you're very familiar with it. I want to read to you just a little bit, not really read to you, but go over some things that I wrote down. This comes from tr tr Jewish tradition about Cain. And it says, first murderer. Jewish tradition, Jewish writings say he is a type of the archetypical sinner. And this is heavy. who instructs others in sin. Jewish writers say he is the first heretic. The first heretic instructs others in sin and corrupted the whole family of Adam. That's what Jews familiar with all this. He, he knows the Scripture. He knows Extra biblical writings. Brothers and sisters, hear the word of God. Especially you men. You let a spirit of disorder, rebellion against the order of God, get in your heart. You can corrupt your whole family. You can influence them and instruct them in ungodly ways. The whole family 
can be corrupted if you go wrong. Man's supposed to have spiritual authority, but if he's not, if he's instructing you in the ways of ungodliness, the ways of sin, you better be careful, man. If the family member is ahead in your home, you let a man go bad, it has headship. You watch. I pray to God the whole family don't go with him. But you see, what happened was that Cain corrupted. According to Jewish writings, the whole family of Adam. They go on to say he is the archetypical example of a lawless individual. We don't need the commands of God. We don't need the law of God. We will do what we want to do. So a type of the sinner. First murder instructs others in sin. The first heretic corrupted the family of Adam and is lawless. Balaam is the next. Ran, they ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Balaam is a picture of greed. Now when I get into Enoch, and I show you, God willing, next week about what Enoch says. The fallen ones taught the people. It follows exactly the line of these rebellions. And it's going to shock you. The error, they ran greedily after the error of Balaam. Y'all remember Balaam, right? We've already told you he advised the, the men, advised Moab, Balak, the king of Moab, how to, you know, cause Israel to fail by bringing them into the Moabite women and having sexual relationships with them. See, God couldn't curse them. They were under the blood, man. They were walking in the wilderness in the shape of a cross. They were the encampment, the encampment of Israel as they journeyed through it, through the land was in the shape of a cross. If you got an airplane and fly over it, this is the way it looked. And when Balaam stood, got ready to curse him, he couldn't curse him because he said, "I can't curse what God has blessed." So what Balaam did was he knew that if he would give advice that would cause them to sin sexually and immorality against God that that would bring the judgments of God on his people. So he advised them, gave them license for sexual sin. And it brought the judgment of God upon his people. And Balaam did it all for money. Greed. Jewish writings say that Balaam is a, a bad light. Look at your number say a bad light. He's a bad light. A bad light. He's the enemy's enemy of God's people. Greedy. Advised bad. Gave advice, bad advice to the people of God. Led them astray. Numbers 25, 1 through 3. So Balaam is a picture of a people. And it don't have to be just in the pulpit. But people in the church who lead the people of God astray 
for greedy purposes. If somebody is leading you contrary to the doctrine, the truth of the word of God, the thing that comes to my mind is what's in it for them? They have an agenda. Because if they were about truth, they would encourage you to walk in the truth and in the light of God's Word. But if somebody stands up and goes contrary to the Word of God and tries to lead you astray from that, what's in it for them? Jesus. Money. Can't get a hold of you. Get a hold of you. Get greedy. Get greedy. Cause other people to fall, to fail. Praise the Lord. He did it for reward. The Bible says, and then the third one, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Well, who is Korah? Y'all remember Korah, right? The Old Testament. Numbers 16, 1 through 35. Then it's repeated in Numbers 26, 9 through 10. It's rehearsed again. God doesn't just give it to you in the Bible one time. He gives it to us in the Bible two times. Whoo! Balaam rebelled against authority. He was a lawless heretic is what he was. Is what they say, what Jewish writers say. He was a lawless heretic. And the Bible is very clear he rebelled against authority. Now listen. When you get to that third example of, of these type of individuals, Cain, Balaam, Korah. He ends the statement by saying they perished in the gainsaying of Korah or New Testament Cori. What is the gain what does gainsaying mean? These infiltrators, these intruders speak against the word that is spoken. And that word that is spoken comes from the mouth of appointed leaders. And Korah stood up baldy. Well, Korah means baldy. He didn't have a covering. Baldy don't have a covering. Because baldy don't want a covering. He's a law unto himself. Romans, read please. Get the scripture please. Romans what? Thank you. Romans 2.14. Thanks, brother. But it says about Balaam, it says that he perished. Now, what God is saying is the same thing is going to happen to these intruders. Woo! Hear it. 
He said, just like the earth opened up and swallowed Corey in the Old Testament, God said of a certainty, these rebels will be judged like it in the future. You might not see it right now, but God says of a certainty, this is what's going to happen to them in the future. Just like the past. Balaam unconverted compromiser going back to Balaam unconverted compromiser listen to me tried to hold on to both worlds and lost them both He claimed to be a true prophet of God. But he was a false prophet. And that greed, he tried to hold on to the world and God at the same time. And he lost them both. Beware. You try to hold on to both worlds, you'll lose them both. How, how many people how many people got out of the will of God doing what somebody else wanted to do? You know how... Years and years and years ago, I knew somebody got out of the will of God to marry somebody. You know? Quit the church. Got out of the will of God to marry somebody. Amen. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They were already married. And both of the, the wife and the husband, both of them got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Both of them. The wife did not want to continue to go to the church because of the standard of holiness that was in that church. She quit going to church. Her husband kept going to church for a little while. He kept going. I remember I'd meet him and we would pray and we would get so fervent in prayer we'd be dropping sweat, man. I remember praying with him. He'd be laying on the ground and we'd be praying and he used to be so full of the Holy Ghost, sweat just rolling off his body. But he quit the church because his wife didn't want to go to a holiness church. They ended up in divorce. You try to hold on to two worlds, you'll lose them both. He should have said to her, I'm going to keep going to church. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to stay in the will of God. And the sad part about it is the woman that left the church because she didn't want to go to holiness, live in holiness, and eventually he left with her you with me? She drug him out. When he left the church, he ended up committing adultery against her. 
Be careful. Because you might get what you wish for. You get out of God's will. You let somebody take you out of the will of God. You don't take a stand. You're going to end up losing everything you got. And it might not be tomorrow. You better stay in the will of God. And I, I'm going to tell you something. That What I just said to you is not hearsay. I experienced that on a personal level with these people that I know very, very well. In fact, brothers and sisters, regrettably, I've got to tell you that that was my sister and that was my brother-in-law. Don't let him take you out of God's will. You'll, yeah, you might look like you got it, but it'll eventually it'll fall apart. So I just tell you that. And that doesn't, doesn't make me happy in the least bit. To do that. Don't let anybody persuade you or, or, or lead you astray from the truth. No, it's not worth it. It's not worth being lost. It's not worth dying and going to hell over. Nobody, nobody's worth that. No job's worth that. No relationship is worth that. Man, the best thing you can do, you know, don't let something get a hold of you. The best thing you can do is just say, okay, God, I'm going to put it all in your hands, but I'm going to stay in your will because I can influence my whole family. Cora, Cora's a good example of that. You know, earth opened up, man. And he went down, those that were with him. But the good news, Cora's sons, they wrote psalms. Many of the psalms, Cora's sons. Jewish writings say, that when the pit opened up and they began to descend into the underworld, that Korah's sons cried out in repentance before God and said, God, forgive me. Forgive us. They refused to follow in the sins of their father. And Jewish writing says that God raised them up out of the pit. And the Bible says the sons of Korah wrote many of the Psalms. Jewish writing says when they came up out of the pit, as God bringing them out of the pit, man, they're fixing to drop into hell. But because they repented from the sin of their daddy, as they're dropping into the pit of hell, God begins to raise them up out of that pit. And they begin to sing Psalms under the inspiration of the Spirit of God that were later recorded in the book of Psalms. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Don't you follow your daddy in rebellion against God. Don't you follow anybody. These are the kind of people that you are advised to stay away from. These are the kind of people that you are in fact, by the Word of God, censored from these types. He goes on and he speaks of four things in nature that they're like. And each one of these four things in nature that he talks about, he, he's going to talk about... Uh, claims that are not there. See, listen. These people claim 
things that they don't possess. These intruders that came into the church were claiming things that they don't possess. And so the first one he talks about, he says, they are spots in your feast of love. Before we, yeah, amen. Spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Amen. He said, you get together and you're taking the Lord's Supper. Or you're taking uh, the agape meal. They took, they had what was it called agape meal in connection with the Lord's Supper, which was a meal that the people got together and eat and they fellowshiped with each other. Agape meal. A love meal. And then they would come and have the Lord's Supper. And Jude says right in the middle of that love feast and right in the middle of that, if you will, Lord's Supper, here come these intruders. And he said they're spots. Now, if we want to look at it in the King James Version, then you could call them their plagues. They're a disease. And they come right in the midst while you're enjoying the fellowship of brothers and sisters in the church taking the Lord's Supper. Here they come. Plagues, disease. But when you go and look at the word a little deeper, King James translates it spots, but that's really not a great translation there. It should be hidden reefs. Hidden reefs. Hidden reefs. He said they're like rocks that are just underneath the surface of the water. And here you are, the picture is here you are and you're in, she your sh in ship, you're in your ship of life and, and you're going across this water and you go, boom! What was that? And you look back and there was a rock just underneath the water that just about took you out and caused you to be shipwrecked. He said, that's what these intruders are like. He said, they hide just underneath the surface of the water. But when you hit them, it shipwrecks your life. Whew. And they feast with you, feeding themselves. Literally, the wording is shepherding themselves. He said, they're not about you. They're about themselves. All it is is about making sure that they got what they want. And hidden agendas. False shepherds. The Bible says they're without fear. Without fear. No reverence for the things of God. Without fear. Brothers and sisters, I want to thank God. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to tell you something. One thing I haven't lost, that my fear for God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It, 
I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. That's when I speak. I speak. When I, when I say what comes out of my mouth, I'm not going to twist it, manipulate it. I'm not going to do that. It, what is going to come out of my mouth better be the truth. I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, when you come and you, when you and I have a discussion, we have a talk, you know that well, I'm going to tell you the point blank truth. And I'm not going to twist it. I'm not going to manipulate it. Nothing. I'm going to tell you the truth. And so I told my wife, I said, I expect the same from you. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Speak it just as it is. Because God is weighing your words. Don't manipulate it. Don't change it. Don't try to fit it into your situation or what you think. What is the reality here? And only people who have a fear of God watch every word that comes out of their mouth. The accuracy of it, if it's not accurate, they must correct it. But intruders have no problem twisting and manipulating stories. Because they don't fear God. Did you hear what I just said? How much do you fear God? You, you tell you something, fear. Well, the love of God. Yeah, I get it. I get the love of God. And we'll talk about that at the end of this book. The love of God. It's one of the key things to keep you right with the Lord. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God will keep you from sinning. Fear of God. That's one thing I can tell you. I fear God. Never lost that fear. Reverence. Don't ever lose. Whatever you do, don't ever lose the fear, man. It'll, it'll keep your life in check. It'll keep your words in check. Mm. Mm. They don't fear. Where's the fear of God? Even as a pastor, fear of God. Certain lines won't cross. And if I have, I go before God and say, God, I've crossed it. Forgive me. I'm not going to do that again. I learned. I learned. You can't ever get the victory. I can't, I can't ever get the victory, amen, without being honest. You'll never get the victory without being honest. You've got to fear God. These hidden reefs just underneath the water. You can't see them. You can't see them. See, they're deceptive. Next thing, real quickly, i got to move fast. They're clouds without water. See, what, what is he saying? They don't have the substance. They don't have the goods. They claim to be one thing, but they're not what they claim to be. You look at a cloud, you think, wow, it's going to rain. There's no water in it. And that's what uh, Jude is saying here. Uh, you know, say, I have a tendency when I get excited that my voice gets real high. 
But he said, these people you're hanging around with, they don't have what they claim to have. They look good in appearance. They got the appearance of a cloud. But they're clouds without rain. Without water. Carried about of the winds. Third illustration. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit twice dead plucked up by the roots. Trees. But they don't produce any fruit. Clouds, but no water in the clouds. There's no substance to them. Empty. Look at your neighbor and say, they're empty. They're empty. They claim to be full, but they're empty. Claim to be a tree, but not producing. Where's the fruit? They're, they're not only dead, man. They're twice dead. Plucked up by the roots. Amen. Right? Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Just like Cora. Just like Cora. Man, you think, you think about Cora. You know what his, one of his big downfalls were? You know, twice dead, man. Not just physically, but spiritually. One of his big faults was he loved, he, he looked at everything carnally with a carnal mind. And one of them was strength in numbers. So the more numbers I have, the more people I have to rebel against that divine office must prove I'm right. He found out real quick he was wrong. He, that whole bunch went to hell with him. Twice dead, plucked up by the roots. That's one thing to be dead, but then twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Right? Raging waves of the sea. Foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, the fourth one. Wandering stars. Waves, waging ray, waves of the sea. You know what waves of sea do? Man, see, I'm getting long now. I didn't really plan on getting this long, but that's all right. I'm going to keep on teaching because... But what a waging wave of the sea do, do, it does nothing but leave destruction behind. And he said, when they come in, these intruders come in, when they leave, they, they leave nothing but destruction behind. Foaming out. <laughs> no, wonder, no wonder James was so earnest. Foaming out of their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So these four illustrations just illustrating their false claims. Wandering stars. God willing, that'll be another message that I'll preach. I'll isolate that one statement and I'll teach you what is a wandering star. Four illustrations. Four illustrations from nature that teach you the lack of substance in these people. Verse 14, 15, God declares the judgment upon them. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saints. Prophesied of who? These intruders.
These apostates. What did Enoch? His name is Enoch. He's the seventh from Adam. Specific points. Prophesied, number three. Saying, number four. Behold the Lord. Behold the Lord. Say the Lord. Cometh with ten thousand of His saints. Who's coming back for the church? What's His name? Jesus. He's called the Lord. There's only one Lord. He's God come in the flesh. The Lord is coming back. The Lord Jesus Christ. And when He comes back, the Bible says He is going to judge these intruders. Certain judgments. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of His saints to execute what? Judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against who? Against who? Against Him. God. Sad, isn't it? If we're not good for something, we'll be good for nothing. You, you have to make up your mind you're going to be good for something or you'll be good for nothing. Just like those four illustrations. I mean, God said, I'm coming back and I'm going to judge him. All that ungodliness and the ungodly speeches, the hard speeches, man, they speak. It's this ungodly conduct. Verse 16 describes them further. These are murmurers, complainers. Amen? Murmurers and complainers, you know. One writer said they're malcontents. You know, malcontents, they're just never happy about anything. They just live a discontented life. Always murmuring, grumbling, complaining. Walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words. I love really one translation said loud mouth boasters. Great swelling words, right? Loud mouth boasters. Yeah. Hear it. Hear it. Hear it. Keep on talking. Keep on running your mouth. Yeah, you're free to do it now. Just keep running your mouth. According to the Word of God, we know what's coming. Just keep on going. Keep on going. Loud mouth boasters. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. See? What they want to do is they want to get close to you. So they'll flatter you. They don't. Why don't they ever contact me? Why don't they? Are you with me here? 
Okay, praise the Lord. Why don't they just want to get a hold of you? You know, they want to talk about how great you are, you know, and all this stuff, and you're so wonderful, and you know, they just don't see that in you, you know. And oh, anyway, 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 and you know how it is. They just they just want to get close to you. Why? Because they have a hidden agenda. They want to take advantage of you. That's what flattery is. Now it's okay to, to you know it's okay to compliment somebody. It is. It's okay biblically to compliment somebody, but flattery is different. Flattery is not just a compliment. Flattery is when I say something good about you because I'm trying to get something out of you or from you, and that's what these intruders are all about. They have hidden agendas. Boy, it's quiet in here. You know, see, God knows what we need, doesn't He? He always does. If we just open our eyes and open our, our eyes and our... These are ears right here. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Open our eyes and our ears. <laughs> God knows what we need. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles prophesied of these people how that they told you there should be what? Mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. You got somebody mocking the things of God, mocking the church of God, mocking the ministry of God. You got somebody like that. I promise you there's something in their life. The Bible said they're walking after their own ungodly lust. And I promise you as a man of God, it will come out. It will come out. The apostles prophesied of these things concerning the last time. That's where we are, brothers and sisters. And we need, we need to hear the apostle Jude. We need to hear the prophet Jude. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, and take, take his advice and take his censorship. You don't take it from me. You better take it from the Word of God because God's trying to save you. God's trying to save you. Man, I tell you what, the level that some people can go, that mocking spirit, laughing, laughing, laughing. Laughing against things of God, against the church, against God-ordained leadership. Laughing. Laughing. Spirit is that about you. You know? Praise the Lord. People who have agendas against the work of God, against the ministry, against the church, will say just about anything and do just about anything. And I'm thinking about, remember the psychological warfare I taught you Wednesday night? You know Hezekiah did three things. He built a wall. He dug a tunnel to get water in there when the siege took place. And the third thing, he tried to pay, pay off Assyria Pay them off. 
He paid them off with gold right out of the temple and they still came and attacked him. When you try to accommodate people like this, they never stop. Because they have an agenda to destroy, to destroy, to destroy. And they might back off for a little while, but just give a little time. They'll start coming again. Are y'all awake? Now, praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to preach to you like this. Because I don't, if you're, if you're one of these people coming in, intruding, creeping in like little creepers, you know, like little snakes, little creeping things, man, I'm going to make sure we take care of you. I'll make sure we take care of you. And, and I promise you one thing, God will sift the wheat from the chaff. And I thank God for it. Let Him sift the wheat from the chaff. But I, and I'd advise every pastor in Odessa, Texas, stand up and preach this. Because any of them coming from there over to here, I'm going to make sure I take care of them. I don't want them. I don't want them. I don't want them. No creepy crawlers. <laughs> you know, one time, a long time ago, I preached a message right out here to the creep, creepy crawlers or something like that. And I had these little creepy, you know, rubber creepy crawler things. And I threw them out to all of you. I said, here, go get them. Eagle, get that creepy crawler. Eagle, you're an eagle. Go get them. That was a long time ago. Hallelujah. I'm probably not even preaching to the same church now. If you're an eagle, you're coming after the creepy crawlers, man. I'm an eagle. I'm going to come after them creepy crawlers, man. I'm going to eat them snakes. I'm going to eat them in the name of Jesus, man, by the Word of God. I'm going to pounce on them. I don't want no creepy crawlers in here. Praise the Lord. Why? Because they're controlled by those old spirits. See, Korah's dead. Balaam's dead. Cain's dead. But the spirit that was in them's not. Because demons that operate in those people continue to exist to the end time. And you need to know they'll come in, those people, man. Hallelujah. I know you're nice people. They're nice people. And you want to thank the best of everybody. But there's some people that are just not up to any good. They just mock, they laugh, hey. Yeah, whatever. You got a spirit too, man. God will take care of you. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. We just focus on what we're supposed to do, win souls, and we can leave all that to God. Hallelujah. But right now, I'm preaching to you because you are the assembly that belongs to Jesus Christ. And I'm preaching to you to protect you. Let God deal with all these, all these things. Praise the Lord, church. He continues, these be they that separate themselves. They're all about division and causing division and separating themselves from the body of Christ. Separation. Yeah, boy, I've had all kinds of excuses come my way. Well, pastor, you know, we're going to go because we got this, we're going to do this. And, you know, we're just, we're just not this and we're just not that. And I'm going... 
Okay. 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 These be they who separate themselves. See, they cause divisions, man. Sensual, having not the Spirit. These people are flesh-dominated people. They don't have the Spirit of God. Again, they ever did. It's See, now, if they don't have the Spirit of God, if they ever did have the Spirit of God, they didn't just backslide, they've apostatized. And the Spirit of God has gone, whoo! Listen. I'm getting like Brother Edmund's enemy. Time is my enemy. David sinned against God, but he repented and God forgave him. Peter sinned against God. Peter repented, God forgave him. Saul sinned against God and didn't repent and committed suicide. Judas betrayed Jesus, didn't repent and committed suicide. You can be a David, but don't be a Saul. You can be a Peter, but don't be a Judas. Come on, somebody. You can backslide and make your way back to God because you're on dangerous ground. But you apostatize. Oh, man. You won't make it back. You can't make it back. Next time we're going to read about or hear about you on the news or read about you in the newspaper and it won't be good. They separate themselves, division. They cause division in the church. They're sensual. They're flesh dominated. They don't have the Spirit of God. Verse 20. But ye beloved. Amen. But you beloved. Building up yourselves. They're destroyers. You're not a destroyer. You build up. Hallelujah. You see what Jude is saying? He said, these are the division makers. These are the ones that cause the problems in the church. These are the ones. They are fleshly. They're not, they don't have the Spirit of God. You build. They tear down. Building up yourselves in the most holy faith. He's not just talking about you individually. He's saying you're a church builder. The true people of God build His church. Make it stronger. These intruders tear everything down they possibly can. They're all about destruction. How do we build ourselves up in the most holy faith? Remember, he said, contend for the faith, that body of truth. Fight for it. Agonize for it. Build up yourself, church. In the most holy faith, the gospel. It's a holy faith. 
You're in a building program. And it's not, not a physical building. How, thank God, aren't you glad we're not in a physical building program? I've been through some of those, man. I don't like them. Thank God we're not in one of those. But you're in a building program. You're in a building process. And I know, sister, I, I see you back there. I know you're tired. I'm going to let you go in a minute. I know I'm long-winded today. Okay. You can take a nap. It won't bother me. One of them days, you know. Not that you want to. I think you're listening, but I mean, you're in a building process. You're in a building program. You're not finished yet. The Holy Ghost that's in me, who I am in the Spirit, God is making me to become that in the, in the physical for eternity, forever and ever and ever. Look, look, God's not done with you. God's not finished with you. You're still being built. You are growing. You are being... Hallelujah! Man, one time I was pastoring... I've only pastored two churches. So it was my second church to pastor. I pastored a church and I, I got up and I told him, I said, he's still working on me. I said, y'all remember that song, he's still working on me? Y'all remember, remember that song, he's still working on me? And I got up and I said that to that church, he's still working on me. I didn't sing it. But... And one of the saints came up to me and said, Pastor, you do know that person that wrote that that wrote that song was a backslidden Pentecostal. So, are you saying that he's not still working on you? <laughs> he's still working on me. Hallelujah. I just try not to sing that song anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're in a building program. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. How? 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 Praying in the Holy Ghost. When we pray, we're building. That's why this prayer meaning that God has called us to. God called us to that. He called us to that. And when we come, you think the man would call you to do that? God called us to do that. And when we come, we're building ourselves up in the most holy faith. We're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. The strong is getting stronger. The weak's getting weaker. What I mean by that, if you're weak, if you don't pray, you're going to get weaker. But when you pray, you're getting stronger. The church is getting stronger. You're getting stronger. I'm getting stronger. Say praise the Lord. Who are we going to be like? These intruders? Are we going to be like the Creator, like God, like Jesus? I want to be like Him. I don't want to be like the types that illustrate these fallen ones. I want to, I want to assist my Creator in being created in His image. 
I don't want to be typically created in their image. I want to be in His image. And when you get the Holy Ghost, His image is inside of you. And when you pray, you're assisting the Creator. Hallelujah. In order for you to be like Him in His image. You are you are conforming the conformity to a type. You are either being like them or you are conforming to your Creator. And the way that you conform to your Creator, God, is by having the Spirit of God in you and by building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And I know, I know, I know. When I make that announcement, man, you could have heard a pin drop. Yeah, boy, what are you talking about, Pastor? Yeah, I did what God told me to do. But we're having the results, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. And yes, we made some mad. Yes, we did. In fact, just about maybe all of you. Except Timmy, you know, he'll stay all night. He's like that. He'll stay all night long. He told me the other day, he said, we'll stay all night. But some people get mad. Some people even quit. They'll even quit. And they get mad. But that's okay. Because God knows what He's doing. God knows what He's doing. Say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we're, if you, listen, Jude has given you the answer. He's given you the antiseptic to the disease. He's given you the medicine for the disease called apostasy and backsliding, praying, building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. To me, it's life or death. That's where I am now. It's life or death. It's pray or die. But it's been amazing. Amazing. Yeah, and you say, we're going to do it this week? Yeah, next week we're going to start again. Keep doing it. Hallelujah. And then just look forward to Saturday. You get to sleep in, maybe, some of you. Sunday, get to sleep in, maybe, some of you. But you see, what Paul, what he's showing you is you had to conform to a type. See, birds produce birds. Fish produce fish. Humans build humans. When you pray, you're being made into the image of God. Because you have His Spirit. But when you pray, you're building, building, getting stronger and stronger. Ooh. I shared really, real briefly with Brother Edmonds. He called me uh, in the morning and I shared it with him real briefly about what we were doing. And I'll share, I'm going to tell you what he said tonight. And he, he told me, he said, Brother Carter, he said, before I called you on the telephone, he said, God, he said, God, give me, give me, give me direction to speak into my friend's life to help my friend. And he started speaking to me and it was right along the lines of what God had called us to do. And I'll share it with you tonight. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord God. Hey, I feel good all over better than better anywhere than that. 
I feel good all over better than I do anywhere else. Hallelujah. Look here and say, I feel good all over. Better than I do anywhere else. Hallelujah. I do. I feel God. Praise the Lord. I needed Him. I needed the prayer. I needed to get some victory over some things. I needed, I needed, hallelujah, God to come in and, and renew me and to have fellowship with God. Hallelujah. I feel good all over better than I do anywhere else. And what that means, I don't know, but I just feel good. Praise God. No wonder, Bishop, I thought he was going to run through the wall. It's a prayer, man. You know, some of y'all dancing and worshiping God and, and praise the Lord. Why? Because that prayer, man, is building us up. Thank you, Jesus. I just have to smile. You see what the Lord, see what the Lord is doing. I want to talk like God. I want to live like God. I want to be like God. I want to conform to His type. Praise the Lord. You get His Spirit and you pray. Instead of being like these people, you're being made like into Him. Hallelujah. I praise God for it. I know, and I know some of you praise God for it too. As you come and you come and told me. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's okay. It's okay. I just, I just say, I just say this right here: mad, glad, indifferent, whatever. Give it a try. Just give it a try. And after you give it a try, then, then talk to me. Then, talk to me. Then, you know. I had a sister. You know, she's a little. She's honest with me. She, te- she's always honest with me. She texts me. She's, she's, Really upset about that when I made that announcement. She she told me that, you know, and uh, she's upset about it. But then she said, you know, she said, I just I just said to myself, I'm not gonna do it. That's what she said. She said, I'm not gonna do it. And the day she said, I'm not gonna do it, she got up and she came, and she said, I was able to get the little one up, came and prayed. We had such an awesome day. Say praise God, amen. Oh, come on. Our flesh, our flesh. We got to drag our carcass out of the bed. Our flesh don't like it, man. It don't. But we need God. Praise the Lord. I'm being conformed to His image. You know. And you know, God knows if you had legitimate reasons you can't be here, but He also knows if it's illegitimate. So, so you know, so we'll just go to another church that don't have those early morning prayer meetings. Hey, hey, how about that, y'all? Y'all want to do that? Well, y'all want to do that? Let's just let's just all go to another church together where they don't have those. That all right with y'all? Sound good to you? You think I'm stupid? 
I'm not really stupid as I look. Because when I was sitting right back there and God told me to do this, He also told me what was going to be the outcome. Y'all all right? Praise the Lord. But let the strong get stronger. Bill, 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 Bill. It takes work to build. Hallelujah. But it feels good, man. Building up yourself the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Number two, keep yourself in the love of God. There's two sides to keeping. God keeps you, but you also got to keep yourself. How many know God loves you today? That means I got one that doesn't know that. Okay, one here doesn't know that. How many of y'all know that God loves you? Okay, you better keep holding your hand up because I'm real slow. I think I got just about everybody that believes God loves you over here. Almost everybody over here does. Yeah, and everybody. We all know that God loves us. But the Bible said, and this is the central key thing, to be conformed into this type. To be conformed into His image and not the image of the types of these other people. Is to keep yourself in the love of God. Say, man, I know, I know God loves me this morning. I know that and you know that. But what He's saying is, having received the love of God, stay in the love of God. You can walk out of the love of God. You can walk away from the love of God. Judy's saying stay in the love of God. You know God loves you, but you've got a responsibility to stay in that love. Keep yourself in the love of God. Whew. You go through historical cultural situation, you'll find they used to call castles the keep. The keep. Keep yourself in the love of God. That means get in the castle, castle of His love and don't get out. Don't come out of it. You're going to stay in the love of God. Okay, so we got these, we got people that they, God loves me. God loves everybody. And they're the biggest rebels, biggest against the order of God, most ungodly people you could ever be around. And some of them raised in Pentecost. Some of them came into Pentecost and left. And But they'll still talk about how much God loves them. God said you've got to stay in His love. Say praise God. That means you have a responsibility in assisting Him by praying and by keeping yourself in that castle called love. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. See, he's telling you right now, here's, here's what it's going to take to have eternal life. You're going to have to keep praying. Building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is what it's going to take in order for you to have eternal life is to keep yourself in the love of God. 
Just because God loves don't mean you're going to be in heaven. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God. So we're looking, we're looking for mercy. His future coming. He's coming back. I'm looking for that mercy. I've got to be ready when He comes. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Say praise God. That's how I assist God in becoming conformed to His image. By praying in the Holy Ghost. Building myself up in the Holy Ghost. Prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Keeping myself in the love of God. Waiting patiently for the coming of the Lord as I live for Him. Praise God. Amen. The Bible says in verse 22, we're dealing with the unsaved here, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So we're dealing with people, and Jews right into this church, and he's speaking to us today. Jude is speaking to us today. He said, when you're dealing with people, you have to discern where they are. Some people, when they come, they're going to come with a dispute. And when they come with a dispute, that needs real Holy Ghost conviction to come on them. There's some people who come and they need mercy. You don't deal with every person the same way. In some cases, even somebody that disputes truth, you know, mercy. I'll do anything I can to help them. I'll do anything. You'll do anything you can to help them. Even though they're disputing the truth, right? What is that? That's mercy. I told somebody not long ago, they're in a situation right now where the truth that they're, they're coming into is being questioned. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll help them any way I can. I'll help them any way I can. I said, I love them. I want them to see the truth as well. And that's what he's talking about. Some, so you're going to have people that dispute the truth, but you show mercy to them. You try to reach them. Hallelujah. And there, there's other people that come and and uh, you've got to deal with them differently you, you, with, with strong conviction. Not everybody's the same. Some you reach with compassion. Some you reach with fear. Say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Some people with compassion. Some people with fear. There are some people, brothers and sisters, they won't be saved unless you literally scale, scare the underworld out of them. Okay, I'm, I'm being nice. I'll let her talk like that. Amen? You do. You, man, you do. I mean, there's just some people, you got to rattle their cage, man. You, you got to rattle their cage. You got to hang them over hell. They'll never be saved. You start talking to them about the love of God. Oh, okay. Oh, I love pizza. 
God loves me like I love pizza. Oh, really great. That, that's not going to get them saved. They don't, they don't relate to that. You know what I'm saying? There's some people, man, they're so rough. They're like Brandon Lane. You got to hang them over hell, man. Put the fear of God in them. And then they'll live for the Lord. You know? And then there's other people. They won't respond to that. That you got to, God loves you, you know, and He's going to be merciful to you. He's going to be gracious to you. And I believe God's going to help you in all your stupidity. Amen, right? Yeah, Pastor, you know I am pretty stupid. Yeah, I know, brother and sister, I know. But that's okay. God God loves you. He'll have compassion on you. Praise the Lord. You probably won't use that word, though, will you? And there's some people you just got to get them around the neck and just give them a big old hug. I'm not, you know, I'm appropriately. And say, man, you know, God loves you so much. Yeah, you really messed up. You really messed up, but it's going to be okay. You just ask God to forgive you and God will, God will forgive you. You know, just, it's going to be all right. You know, amen. Some people, you, you hang them over hell, you know. You rebuke them strongly. They hang, on to, hang the phone up on you. Gee. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't talk to me like that. Gee. You get that you know, dial tone or whatever. So he's just saying there's different approaches to different people. Hallelujah. Now, brothers and sisters, I always try to approach the compassionate, loving way first. But if they won't get it then, I'm going to hang them over hell, man. I'm going to hang them out to dry. Brandon Lang. I'm just picking on you, man. You're good. You're good. We, we good. We good. We be good. We be good. Yeah, the last, last guy I said that too. He's no longer in the church. We'd be good. <laughs> uh, but not Brandon Lang. He, he got a different spirit. No, I tried everything I know with Brandon. Love, hell, everything, man. It, it, just, it took everything to get him, man. It took both of them. <laughs> Amen. Tell you what, I, I have that, I sort of have a personality. You know, I have a personality, man. You're going to have to rattle my cage sometime. You really are. You're going to have to rattle my cage. Anybody, anybody else out there like that? G, like that? Yeah, man. God will do it too. He know how to rattle your cage, buddy. And sometimes he knows too when he fell, he'd come up there and put his arm around you. Right? So we, we need to know, we're going to have to have the discernment of the Holy Ghost to know how to relate to people because they're different. And there's some people, I don't even know if they fit into either one of these categories because they're out there somewhere on another planet. And I, are, are they down here in the deep waters somewhere so deep I can't find them? I mean, we tried love, we tried hell, we tried heaven, we tried everything. And we still haven't tapped in yet. 
territory, an alien territory somewhere. Ooh. All right. What do you need to be saved? What do I need to be saved? We have to have discernment. Praise the Lord. And you are so stubborn, man. You had to go through so Listen, listen. I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost. I know I'm getting late. It's one o'clock already. Who cares? Just whatever. I could care less. I've, I'm, I've tried so hard to keep these messages short, but I can't do it, so just forget it. I give up. I quit. I'm not going to try anymore. Has it ever dawned on you that if you're lost, some of all the crazy misery and all the trouble that's coming to you could be God, maybe not directly, but allowing it to come to your life to rattle your cage to get you in the church? Because you're so hard-headed. Praise the Lord. And I, I tell you, I have a great love for one individual, not in the church yet, but I went back, went back there and met him one time. Before I knew it, I, we was both crying. You know? Just God ministering to him and talking to him. And, and I just felt the love of God for that man. You know, just started crying. It lets me know how much God loves him. You know? God wants to save. You just have to be sensitive when you're talking to people. And if you are, God will, God will speak through you either to minister or to pull them out of the fire. Snatch them out of the fire. Hating the garments even spotted by the flesh. That means leave those garments that are spotted by the flesh. What Jude is saying, let them be burned in the fire. Garments that are spotted by the flesh. Let them be burned. So they can be clothed with new garments. Like Joshua the high priest. In the book of Zechariah. There's some strongholds of sin in people's lives. You can tell them how much God loves them. And you know. And how much the forgiveness of God is there for them. And they will never be delivered from those sins. But you start talking about what you're doing is going to send you to hell. That's when action starts taking place. That's when they start disconnecting this and disconnecting that and getting rid of this and getting rid of that. My eternal destiny is at stake. And until you bring that to that them to that reality. You're on your way to hell. You need to repent and get right with God. What you're doing is going to send you to hell. They're not going to change. Because they'll keep justifying what they're doing and say, you know, this is really bad enough to send me to hell. What if it is? Oh. So God knows how to deal with me. He knows how to deal with you. And we will be sensitive. Jude's telling the church how to handle certain situations. I don't believe he's telling them, okay, 
to be merciful necessarily to apostates. But he is telling them to be merciful to those that may dispute truth or maybe are backsliding and for sure the unsaved. I will say this, brothers and sisters, if Jude is saying to the church there to show compassion to the apostates, what amazing mercy. That even intruders that are coming in to destroy the body, if Jude is telling that church to be merciful to them, what amazing mercy that is. My opinion is not. My opinion is those that are on the verge of backsliding, those that are disputing truth but not yet going with these apostates. That's my opinion only. But I at least leave it out there for you to know that if Jude said be merciful to the apostates, what amazing mercy that is in the light of everything he just said about them and what's going to happen to them. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. He's talking about, when he's talking about the fire, he's talking about the fires of hell. I mean, they are on their way to hell. You've got to literally reach down and snatch them out of hell. And when you snatch them out, you pull them up naked with the garments that are spotted by the flesh still burning there. And then you, as Joshua the high priest, was clothed with new garments, then you clothe them with new garments. They're not spotted by the flesh. I do not personally believe after living for the Lord close to 40 years that we understand how strong our flesh is. Okay? It is so strong. It is so hell-bent. I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about that fallen nature. So healthy and so strong and unwilling to give up certain things, even if it means going to hell over. That's how strong that flesh is. That pride that's there. That's why we can't walk in the flesh. Got to walk in the spirit. Greatest battle is your flesh, not the world or the devil. You even, the garment's even spotted by the flesh. Even spotted by it. Tainted by it. You know? Like leprosy. This is a leprosy term. Like leprosy in the Old Testament. When they found leprosy in the garment, that garment's got leprosy. Man, we've got to get rid of it. We've got to burn it. God has said, when, you're, when your flesh spots your garment, like leprosy, get rid of that leprous garment. Burn that leprous garment. Come tonight and I'll preach about 30 minutes and I'll be done. Not Sunday morning though. He's down there and pulling out of the fire. How Cora would love to have been pulled out of the fire after he went there. How many people today would have been loved to be pulled out of the fire? Leave my garments, leave my flesh, leave my sin. 
deliver me. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. So he said, keep, keep yourself in the love of God. Now he says that God is able to keep you from what? Falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God. There's two sides to keeping. You have to keep yourself in the love of God. Stay in the love of God. And you understand that he keeps you by his power. He's preserving us. As he said in verse 1, he's preserving us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Keeping us by his power. From what? Falling. Falling what? Is he talking about apostasy? Or are you talking about slipping? If you're staying in the love of God, praying the Holy Ghost, filling up yourself with the most holy faith, you're assisting God so that you can be saved and be in His image. Walking, you'll have the right spirit, you'll have the right attitude, you'll have the right approach to truth. You have a right approach to morality. Okay? We are kept. He will keep you from falling. He'll keep you from slipping. Keep you from... If you do slip, you're not going to go. He won't let you go, man. If you keep persisting, though, you'll end up like these people. But the good news is this. Jude closes this book out by... You notice he's not like this. He's not wringing his hands. Oh, what am I going to do? You know, these intruders are coming into the church and they're, oh, they're leading people astray. Oh, what am I going to do? He's not doing that. He's strong. He's powerful. He said, God is going to keep you. God's presence is in that church. And God's presence, God's power, He's going to keep you. He's not doing this. What am I going to do? He's looking to God to strengthen the people that are in that church. To keep them from falling. To present us faultless before the presence of the glory with, with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Jesus Christ is God, our Savior. There's only one wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Lord God, come with your power, your authority, your dominion into that church. God, keep the church of the living God in the last time from these intruders, these ungodly intruders that seek to, to lead astray the people of God into immorality and using grace as an excuse for their sin. People who deny the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, keep us in a place we don't rebel morally against your positions of authority. Lord, let us not succumb to the backbiting, whispering voices. But let us, God, trust in your power, your authority, your dominion to come and override any of these things in the church of the living God. Please stand. Father, we thank you today in your awesome name. We give you glory, honor, and praise.
In my spirit, Lord God, this morning I am humbled in my spirit. I am humbled in my spirit. 